0: Pam thank you so much for coming on the podcast I appreciate your time um maybe for the listeners just maybe give a background of your uh your story a little bit maybe like uh maybe start with something fun like what was your earliest memory with marketing?
1: Oh well that's kind of easy. I, I have a cousin who's always been my marketing hero. Actually he's public relations. It's John Broder and um, at one point he owned Broder worldwide. He started off as Broder and Partners and in college I did an internship with him and was hooked. And then he actually um, joined with Omnicon and Porter Novelli and he ended up having like 160 offices internationally, and then he ended up selling out to them, decided they missed it, and they, because his wife is actually the CEO, they bought it back. So now they're in Boston, they're in LA, Charleston. I don't know where. This is your cousin. This is my cousin. Blood cousin. Blood cousin. Yeah. That's
0: amazing. And you started interning
1: with him? I I interned one summer. interned one summer. One summer summer. in college. What were you you doing in
0: that internship? Um,
1: He he let me do all the pro bono stuff. The (laughs) the (laughs) non-billables. So I remember um, there was like a uh, a public radio station that was trying to do some fundraising. So he had me meet with him. and, And he was great, though. I mean, he definitely was present and it, I don't think they felt like they were sloughed off on an intern. Yeah, I think it was a win-win for everybody. But that, that was a fabulous introduction for me, and I was hooked from there. And I went to ODU. I hear you went to ODU. Yeah, go Monarchs. <laughs> my, um, my mom was ill the whole time. I got accepted to UVA, but it was just my dad taking care of her, and it felt good to be home, you know, to help. So I went for to sure. ODU. What, and I don't regret that at all. Um, I was a communication um, major but a marketing minor and um, and then after that uh, Started at the virginian pilot advertising um, back when Newspaper advertising was the backbone of every marketing plan you started right. there and if you had more dollars then you thought about broadcast um, and as you know that model rapidly devolved um, But I was there at the heyday because I was there um, so I graduated college in 84 and then pretty much just jumped right into that. And um, so that was the heyday of newspaper for me. I mean, when I started, they were still smoking on the advertising floor. You know, the bullpens, you just see these clouds of smoke going up. And all the uh, folks that were on there were the old guys. They were all in their 60s, smoking like chimneys. and um,
0: These are sales guys. They're yeah, selling yeah had been there forever. For
1: and, um, and had really um, experienced the, you'd even go calling on people. People called the newspaper. To, mm-hmm. But they were bringing in this new young crowd because even then things were starting to change a little bit. And the young crowd a lot of times were women. I, it was the first time women were really entering that field. It really was like Madman before we I'm got there. I'm picturing a Madman scene
0: in my <laughs> it head. Really was. It really was. Cigarettes, so like I'm just picturing this.
1: But I think, I think the folks that hired me um, were starting to see women's success in sales, and that's why this big influx. And um, I know you, you had interviewed Ken Sutter before. I think he was kind of like part of my era that, that got in nice. there. And it, it was a beautiful upbringing in marketing because they very much invested in training so it was, it was a great upbringing but then um from advertising I became the promotions manager so back then the way you, uh, it was home delivery and it was carriers and um the way you incentivize these kids is you took them on trips and you gave them uh, t-shirts and all this and that was under my round so I was buying like half a million dollars worth of promotional merchandise every year to fill this need
0: where were you finding the promotional merchandise well
1: well i had several vendors and one of them was a was a big one out of roanoke and they asked me if i would be interested in repping for them and at that point i had a three-year-old at home they wanted me to work at home and make more money so it was like i could do that so i did that for a few years but That industry also evolved. It used to be you could only buy promotional merchandise from an ASI vendor, then then you could start buying online and direct. And even at that point, my old advertisers were calling me and I was doing a lot of special projects also, but I was basically self-employed. It was a contract position. And then the Virginian pilot called me back because they started an in-house agency. And um, something called Reader Rewards is what we created. a little We were the first little key fob, the loyalty key fob, and you uh, could get great dry cleaning prices and all that if you had this uh, Royal uh, Reader Rewards thing. And that was a lot of fun. Went back in, and from there, i they made me an offer. I couldn't refuse to take the newspaper's largest client who... Who was a handful, and I won't say a lot about that because he probably knows who he is. In the <laughs> <area>. <laughs> well well, he was he was too much of a handful. I, I did that for about a year and I said I'm not gonna do this anymore. So then they created a position for me, which was most fun I ever had at the Virginia Pilot. I was the it was called the Innovation Champion. Innovation I re- champion. I reported directly to the publisher who was Maurice Jones, who I absolutely love great mentoring relationship with him. And I was over the Innovation Council. Now, so back at that time, across the enterprise, you know, that was inside business portfolio. We had a whole bunch of little publications. We probably had about 1,600 people. And each of those folks sent people to be part of the Innovation Council. And... What was real big at that time was called leveraging difference, where you would everyone would bring everything and pour it out onto the table, and then um, in theory, <laughs> we would come up with processes and um, innovations to for new revenue streams or savings in the processes. What ultimately happened was we closed down a bunch of publications to, because the PNL was showing that's what we needed to do. So portfolio shut down and um, that was a great job, but I saw the writing on the wall and I knew Maurice was getting ready to leave. And I did not want to go back into advertising. So at that time, um, Deb Colvin is my business partner. She was the creative director director at the Virginian Pilot and then she was the marketing manager, I think was the, the title. Well, the Virginian Pilot was already starting to cut back a lot. People were leaving, getting the buyouts And she, um, they eliminated the marketing department in the Virginian Pilot. So it no longer marketed itself. It marketed other businesses, but there was no marketing department. Mm. So she left, went to an agency that wasn't doing so great. And, again, she was let go from this other agency. So she calls me up upset, and um, I said, well, sounds like the moon and stars are aligned. Let's start our business. So I got my bio out, and then the... Monday after she was let go on a Friday, we met with our first client who was Nauticus and we've had Nauticus for eleven years now. We're their agency of record and, and they're wonderful and the beautiful thing is how we got started with that is a lot of beautiful relationships. Bruce Bradley, I don't know if you're familiar. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, he was the, the president of Landmark Enterprise, uh-huh. and just a wonderful man, very mentoring with us, and he was on the board of Nauticus at that point, and, um, and so he kind of gave us the entry there, and we just fell in love with them, felt like we were an extension of their workforce, and, and so we've been working with them forever, but that got us into the nonprofit world, and you know yourself, Uh, folks that are on these boards tend to be on six boards or ten boards. It's a network. (laughs) It it truly is. So from that we are now um, uh, Virginia Symphony Orchestra, Roanoke Symphony Orchestra, Access College Foundation, Neptune festival Sandler Center Foundation United Jewish Federation we are the nonprofit Queens Got it. Um, and uh, and along the way our, our agency has grown some but we're still small our, you know we don't have a lot of full-time people but we have a lot of folks we bring in like production houses and the rest I'll give a plug to Jpix John Abrahams oh, yeah, yeah. Is, there you go. <laughs> is awesome we were his first customer when no he started way. Jpix yep yep yeah we did a big old city of Portsmouth uh, tourism spot with him that was that was a lot of fun um and so today um that's who we are so so we're in a very enviable position where um we have as much business as we could probably handle right now and so so we can be a little bit picky about who we work with and and i understand that that's probably we should be structuring out and building infrastructure so we could handle more because we have more demand than we have time. But I'm kind of like where you are, you know, where do I want to put my, my uh, efforts? Where do I want to see the payoff? And right now, we're just really happy. We love the clients we're currently working with. We have some technology firms, Bruce, Chris, Steakhouse, but mostly we, we're in that niche of nonprofit. Well, so, I really
0: appreciate uh, that. Uh, <laughs> your your career, I mean, it's so impressive. Just seeing like how you structure things, how you grew your 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 brand. Really, take us back maybe eleven years ago when you first got the nonprofit okay. account okay. open. What were you do- What kind of work were you doing with with them? Was okay, it you well, know, television was it print? What-
1: right. So when we first took them on, um, they they experimented with us. to, to they actually had an agency that they weren't happy with. They just had this huge um, pirates, uh, National Geographic Pirates exhibit thing, and it hadn't gone as they had hoped. So our timing was kind of right at that point. But they didn't take us on in a marketing capacity at that point. They take us, took us on as an event planner. They had decided that they wanted some national attention. So we had come up with something we called the National Maritime National Maritime Award. Um, and we, our first person we were going to, um, honor with this was Captain Phillips of the, remember when the Somali pirates and and all that. Okay. Well, that was, uh, that was 11 months old at that point. So he had, um, you know, had been captured by the pirates. Um, he had been, um, the Bainbridge had come and basically rescued him. So our big plan and it, this was so spotless, it was crazy. The Bainbridge uh, Navy ship was the one that, that rescued the Maersk, Alabama. That was the ship that was taken. That was Captain Phillips' ship. It pulled up behind Nauticus, and the entire crew is there. And I don't know if you're familiar, but Nauticus has a beautiful uh, theater, and there's a back wall that actually slides, and it's three story high, three stories high, and it's glass, and you can look out into the water. Well you can it actually shows the bridge that goes over to the half moon cruise and celebration center and um, the peter decker wasn't named that at that point just the half moon at that point so we lined oh well first of all the navy didn't like the idea because they didn't want their sailors used as a prop and we said no no that's not what's going to happen captain phillips wants to thank each of your crew members and because they're they're you know very very grateful for the risks that they day come out, we lined up 200 sailors um, on that walkway, and the walls open up. And, and let me tell you who I have and It's I have admirals and congressmen and senators all sitting there. The walls open up, and all these sailors go like this. And there's not a dry eye. It, it was I don't, I'm getting emotional even thinking of it at this point. And so we had each of those sailors came down and shook Captain Phillips' hand. The real beauty about all of this is that this was 11 months past. I think it was 11 months, maybe it's even 18 months. But what was gorgeous was the whole time we wanted national um, recognition. Well, we weren't getting a lot of national traction for it, even though we had, you know, local representatives. No one national was coming down. And then three or four days before the event, another Somali pirate attack on another mayor ship. I had ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox News wow. all covering this thing because it was highlighted again. It was, yes. the timing could, it was, you know, it, the timing could not have been better. So we had the front page of the Virginian Pilot. Poly- so that really solidified our relationship, but it was so serendipitous. It wasn't like we were so brilliant. Right, right. No, that's incredible. <laughs> but we had beautiful coverage on that. And then um, basically at that point, they were kind of over their old agency and, and just pulled us in and at first, we just kind of became an extension of their workforce where they leveraged our expertise in the areas they didn't know. And then basically, um, they have an on-site marketing director, and she's brilliant, absolutely brilliant, does her own buys and all that. We, we really subsidize a lot of what they do. Um, great relationship. Consider them family.
0: No, that's amazing. And then maybe talk about as you kind of you discovered the niche if you were right. and you started just going deeper and right maybe well, like how does that work like do you start to kind of i guess design your services in a way that are just like more tailored and catered now and customized no that's
1: a, that's you, a you have that focus on,
0: on a space and you don't have to you know you don't have to worry about like what a bank no you're absolutely right like.
1: and 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 very true when you're talking about nonprofits. um our unique selling proposition is taking a dime and squeezing it until it screams for clients. Um, we really look at maximizing the return on investment, and I'm telling you the digital era was a game changer in the nonprofit world. Folks that couldn't afford a quarter page in the newspaper or a television spot are now granularly targeting audiences they could never speak to before so inexpensively. Not just that, the marketing intelligence on the back end, we're seeing who's clicking, how many kids do they have, where do they live? And then we can refine our messaging so much more, so we know what uh, inspires someone to open up their wallet, what, what tubs on your heartstrings and makes you want to, like Sandler Center Foundation, they do some beautiful work for sensory-friendly um, uh, performances, as well as kids that would never enter a um, performance hall, a professional performance hall, giving them experiences that open up Possibilities that broaden horizons, that make them understand there's so much more outside their world. And the fact, and the thought that we get to participate in that on some level it's so much more than we have some great clients. It's like, no, we're part of their mission. We get to be part of this. And of course, you know, when, when you're looking at sponsorship packages, you know, we help the symphony help put together sponsors. So does Nauticus foundation put together packages. There are some things that we know just work really well in the nonprofit world and speak to certain audiences that, you know, that intelligence, but customizing the messaging to the mission is, is I think where we probably excel.
0: What's something that you learned kind of starting your business? Sounds like you got off to a, a great start. Um, you know, what's something that maybe you didn't expect or I, I mean, I know there's a yeah, lot of yeah. things that you can't like look around the corner. Like for us making bags, you know, something that's very important is like, are the bags water repellent, you know? right? Like you, you don't necessarily know that that's going to be like the first or second thing that right right, asking. right but like is there anything like that like maybe just like an aha moment or maybe something that you just learned
1: yeah good question i know early on especially when we were talking about uh digital promotion we did a lot of stuff by the seat of our pants we um we w- We knew we could figure it out, but we didn't necessarily know how to do it when we proposed it, (laughs) you know, faked it till we made it. I get it. (laughs) But but because it was such a rapidly evolving industry, not a lot of people knew what was going on. So it wasn't like – I guess we just kind of boldly went for it. But in terms of of stuff that didn't – I guess – I didn't expect our business to be as cyclical. So um, you would think, you know, if you were with retail folks, then, then, you know, you can see the buying cycles around holidays and all that. Um, nonprofits, it didn't even occur to me, you know, they make the huge buildup for the end of the year, and then you are dead the only reason I can be here today is because we're just ramping back yep. up no, today. I get it, I get You know, it. and um, it's so. Kind of
0: based around maybe a central gala or like an event, some kind of Right, like event right, or, or end-of-the-year
1: giving is huge, obviously, because folks are trying to get in for tax purposes. Um, yeah, there's probably three million things I just can't think of right now because it was a lot of unexplored territory, but it was funny. Every time uh, we succeeded, it just made you that much more confident that there's, No nut you can't crack. You Mm -hmm. know there is a if a client has a specific need, you can find the solution that's that's gonna move the needle for them.
0: Love that. Did you ever have like a mentor or anyone that you kind of leaned on for like advice, like yeah, from an entrepreneurial setting? Because I mean that's well, I,
1: I have friends in the industry that have their own agencies that you know I'll pick up the phone and go so. We, we kind of have a unique billing system. I, um, we don't keep our clients on retainers. So uh, we charge them hourly, use us as much or as little as you want to meet your goals. And the flexibility of that really is unique in the industry because you're not obligated to use me unless I'm making a difference. And I'm not making you sign a contract because I would rather your satisfaction with me be the reason you keep coming back to me. And, and I'll admit we're pretty blessed to be in that situation where we can do that. But but at this point, it's always worked really well for us. We don't, we don't want clients that are handcuffed into working with us. If they're ever unsatisfied, we are so happy. You know, go, go somewhere where you're going to be happy. Um, our, um, but, you know, every now and then you'll have a client that goes, well, I really want to sign a contract and I want a retainer. And that's so hard to project out because... Say you're paying me $5,000 a month, well, in your mind, that $5,000 is going to fulfill whatever it is you need done. Do you know how many hundreds and hundreds of hours I could put in a month satisfying one client? That's another reason why I don't like being tied to that system. I would like for our efforts to pay off in, in terms of billable hours. With our nonprofits, I think part of the reason we have a really discounted nonprofit rate over our open rate. We have plenty of open rate clients, but we really do make room for those nonprofits because we like them so much. I don't think I answered your question, did I?
0: No, no, this is great. <laughs> I mean, it, it's all like uh, I, I see the, the, like, the ideas and like the storytelling. You know, that right. that's something that um, I, I think for us is huge maybe talk about like uh 2020 what are you excited about what what are you what's going on
1: um we have some um we've had some, some I don't want to speak about specific clients no, but sorry, we we had general. um a big state entity contact us recently that wants to do a, a big project and um you know it, and it was, it was so funny, it's a state entity, but they're not going through any kind of... We don't bid. We don't do RFPs unless we're required to do them. Like we have a client we're already working with and they really want us on a project, then we'll do it. Um, but th- these folks came to us, excited about the possibilities. I know, I'm not telling you enough to tell you what's exciting about it. No, but we're, that's exciting. To, yeah, just yeah, some so... projects coming up in the future. Um, really enjoying the journey right now it it, it's a it's a it's a good time to be working with nonprofits folks are feeling very confident in the economy they are more willing to reach out and help others at this point and then in turn seeing these very important missions being elevated it's just a real good time to be working with these folks you know when things were tight we started the worst economy in the world we started in 2009 everything had crashed you know the real estate bubble and if anyone was going to cut out a part of their budget it was going to be marketing because they didn't think the clients were out there anyway so we went through the really tough time this is this is really the salad days we're we're having a good time time very
0: nice well um this has been great i really appreciate you for doing this Um, where can the listeners connect
1: with you and uh learn more about what you do oh well they can go to our website we're at mavertise m-a-v as in victor e-r-t-i-s-e dot com and, um, you can find me at Pam at mavertize.com. If you have any specific questions
0: and who came up with the name?
1: Well, you know, it's, um, so it's Maverick marketing, advertising and public relations. And when we originally started, we Maverick was gone. Maverick marketing was gone. So we came up with Maverick marketing co and it was just so cumbersome. So then we, uh, about five years ago, we started playing with thinking we've got to get this thing down and came up with mavertize.
0: Love it. Thank you again.
1: Uh, thank you so much.